What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, it's Jackie Russo. Thanks for joining us for Razor Branding Podcast, the live video edition. I'm very excited that uh, we get to have with us today Krista Vega Bio, and I'm thrilled, and I think you're going to figure out why really quickly. If you don't already know her, you'll be pretty darn impressed with who she is and what she's accomplished. So welcome to the show, Krista. Thank you so much, Jackie. It's so nice to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I was trying to figure out when we first met. It had to have been 1984. I, I don't recall the year, but I know we were in high school together. Or right. I, I think I was younger than you. So you I are. Think, okay, yes. Yeah, so we were at Sacred Heart and Greg Cato. That's correct. And so yeah. I joined, I got there in 84, so that had to have been when we met. Um, okay. And so I was like, that was a long time ago. It, it was. Did you play volleyball? I did. Not very okay. well. <laughs> Neither did I, but I tried really hard. <laughs> but I mean, there's the Christina Kane volleyball players, and then I think I'm yes. off the screen. Down yes. yes, yes. So um, I, I used her as my model, um, you know, but never got there. But I tried really hard. Right. Sean right. Kaye, Cynthia Kinsland, they were like amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Those are my people. Absolutely. Yes. It was really cute, actually, um, having Jordan be there for the last uh, eight or nine years until she graduated. And she was in Sean Kaye's daughter's class. Oh, wow. So yes. It's like old home week. It was kind of nice, um, like a little reunion. Mm-hmm. It was very delightful. Those girls are amazing. Mm, every one of them. I mean, it's just amazing to me what they've all managed to go on and accomplish. You know, it's a sacred place. Literally, place. it really Literally. is. Literally, um, yes. and then, you know, our son graduated from there. I uh, didn't the know before that. that. Yes, he graduated okay. from Berkman's, and now he's in college at Millsaps playing baseball. Well, he's at home right now, but he was in college. <laughs> um, and then Jordan's in uh, chemical engineering at UL, which is a great program. That is amazing. Now you have a graduate this year, right? College. We do. Andrew graduated um, from LSU in accounting, and he plans to start work June 1st for a local firm, Darnell Sykes. So we're very excited about that. That yes. is amazing. I mean, yes. I know a lot of people are graduating and not necessarily moving into a job already. So that says, oh, I was a basketball player, and there's a picture of us in basketball uniforms, so I can prove it. Oh, See, well... Michael likes to make little comments during the show to okay. keep me on track. Okay. Yes. Okay. I see. Yes. 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 Um, yes. No, I did play basketball. You remember the Pavi twins? I do. And I was actually a statistician for the basketball team. Like I kept all the stats. See? So I, I, I used to follow you around and mark your numbers. Do you happen to remember, and we are so far off the topic, I haven't even touched the cards yet. Do you remember a season, and it would have been probably my freshman year, um, Alicia Beard was on the team and a bunch of really great players, and we took first place in the district, I think maybe at, at Notre Dame, and we came back to campus because there's a Valentine's dance going on, so we got to go to the end of the dance in our uniforms. Is that a recollection you have? Not at all. <laughs> No, that escapes me. <laughs> I have a picture of it um, as the documentation I can provide. Uh, the problem is everyone else was in their full warm-up suits. And for whatever reason, uh, although it was February and freezing outside, I didn't have my warm-up pants on. And my very thin, very pale legs are not attractive at all in this photograph. Uh, but I will find it and post it later because it's a keepsick. It, it sounds it sounds like something we all should see. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's blackmail material for sure, for sure. Okay. So you went to the Academy of the Sacred Heart, and then what was next for you? 
So I went to UL, uh, back then it was USL College of Nursing um, from 90 to 94. And I loved being a nursing student on UL's campus. And back then it wasn't near the program it is now. They have just made so many advancements. Um, the technology is just amazing. Um, back then we used to have to start IVs on one another and, uh, you know, practice everything um, on one another. And now they have these these robots and these mannequins that speak to you and they give you immediate feedback. And so it's amazing. UL College of Nursing is amazing. So I graduated from there in 94. And then I went to work at um, Women's and Children's Hospital in Lafayette uh, as a labor and delivery nurse. Um, I did that for a while um, till 2003, I did that. Um, but I also taught, taught childbirth education classes. Um, and breastfeeding classes and um, just anything maternal child health related. And so that was exciting. I did that for a while. And then um, I had a clothing store, a maternity clothing store um, during that time uh, that my mom and I opened in, uh, in 2000. And we had that from 2000 to 2004 when she passed away. And so I did that for a while. Um, so I've done all kinds of things, but um, yeah. Talk a little bit about SANE, because I think that's one of your biggest um, accomplishments, at least as a spectator observing your life. Sure, sure. SANE was an amazing blessing. I was in the junior league uh, at the time with Faith Moody, who was the executive director of Stellar Place, which is now called Hearts of Hope. And she approached me because um, the sexual assault nurse examiner program had popped up around the country in bigger cities and um, she said, we need this here. We, you know, we have so many cases of uh, domestic violence, uh, rape, incest, molestation, and we don't have a good system for caring for these, for these um, victims. Can you help us? And so she brought me a binder that was about five inches thick. <laughs> I sat on my back patio. Now, at the time, I was working at the dealership um, with my, my dad and my husband and my brothers and um, I was doing mostly philanthropic giving and human resource uh, stuff, but I read the binder. It took me about three hours. I read the entire binder and I said, I'm in. And so um, I transitioned into saying uh, through Hearts of Hope, we created the program. So it was the first forensic nursing program in Acadiana. It's still going on today um, as um as a benefit of that, I got to work with the DA's office. I got to work with the Lafayette Parish Sheriff's Office, the city police. And I was also able to work with nurses around the state. And so we started the first sexual assault response team. Um, I also started the first forensic nursing program, uh, like International Association of Forensic Nurses in Louisiana um, with a, a group of other forensic nurses. And then I was able to train around the state um, as a trainer. So that was, I love to teach. So that was really fun for me. Um, and it, it allowed me to be with the most amazing uh, professionals uh, to learn how to provide really good services uh, for victims in the community. So isn't there a big backlog in cases? Isn't that one of the things that y'all worked on was clearing that? So we didn't work. We did work a lot with the Acadiana Crime Lab, and there were actually some firsts uh, through our work with them, um, some contact DNA and some other things that we were able to do with them. But um, we didn't work so much on the backlog. We collected the forensic medical evidence collection kit. Like we created the first kit um, for our area um, and we supplied them around. 
we worked with them to collect them, but we didn't work on the the actual uh, kits themselves in terms of the DNA and all that. So um, there is still always going to be a backlog, um, mainly because um, people who report don't always pursue. Um, and so those kits sit for a long time. And if there's not an active investigation, an active case with people who are pressing the issue, then the kits just get shelved. So. So moving through SANE, you're doing work at the dealership and then you're kind of in the dealership world, like full time, right? right? And the dealership family has grown. The dealership family has grown. Yes, it has. Um, so my father passed away in 2012 and um, I became an owner and had to learn how to govern and how to be an owner, but not a day to day manager. And so for about three years, I was not in day-to-day -day operations. Um, so from 2012 till 2015, um, it was mostly governance, so board work. I was a chairman of the board and um, I understood the finances, but I didn't do management or operations. And then in 2016, um, my family and I decided to buy a Chevy dealership in Brobridge. And so we grew into Brobridge with Acadiana Chevrolet. We did that um, for about a year and in that I became the dealer there and started day-to-day -day operations. And so that's what really got me in um, to the day-to-day -day work. Um, we sold that and ended up buying a store in Abbeville, um, Acadiana Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram South. And so uh, we now have Acadiana Mazda, Acadiana Dodge and Lafayette across from the airport, which has Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram and Fiat. Yeah. And also <laughs> the F's. And then also um, Acadiana Dodge South in Abbeville. So, I have to say, I woke up this morning still thinking about that. I was so disappointed in myself. Really, I'm better than that. Hey, look, I, I'm not that quick, so I would have missed it totally. I, I saw someone else's comment, and I was like, yes, Fiat. Yeah, Sandra Morrow's got your back all the time, don't Sandra's you Sandra's amazing. I love Sandra Morrow. I do, too. And she loves to catch me up when I'm not being the best I can be. So mm -hmm. she took yeah. care of both of us. Yes. So, so walk me through what dealership life is like during a pandemic. Wow. Um, so I think like everyone else, the pandemic has brought daily changes uh, and interruptions to the business. Um, so the first couple of weeks, I think we were just all still like everyone else. We were watching every newscast, every briefing, and we were just waiting to, to try to understand. Um, after about a week or two, when we understood our directives better, um, my day-to-day -day operations became how do i keep everyone safe and as a registered nurse i was immediately like okay hand washing i mean we had signs up outside of the bathrooms in the bathrooms i was telling teaching people how to wash their hands properly um we were talking about uh, we had sanitation crews we were bleaching everything we were using alcohol based and we were using multiple products to make sure that everything <laughs> we were using was really going to work. Um, social distancing came a little bit later, but then really in our work, we, we like to, you know, shake hands and hug and say hi. And, and we, we speak in close quarters. And so really teaching people what is social distancing, why is it important? Um, and then maintaining it. So I think what's helped is the stickers we're putting out and all of the visual cues that remind us, how to stay safe, how to keep our employees safe and our customers safe, and how to be compliant. So 
I guess the last six weeks have been just reminding people to be compliant, reminding people to be vigilant, uh, encouraging people to be healthy. Um, and then the most important thing I've done, I think, is communicating to my team, which is about 150 people. Hey, look, don't just believe what you read on you know, this blog or this Facebook, like go for the good information, the good resources, go to the Louisiana Department of Health, go to the CDC so that you can educate yourself with good information. And I think, you know, like everyone else, the frustrating part is that the information is changing and it's not consistent. And so some day it's wear a face mask. Other days it's maybe wear a face mask. Some days it's, oh, you don't need it. So I think um, that's been the most frustrating part is that we're still learning. Uh, nobody, you know, we're even that all the experts are saying this is changing and it looks different every day. So I guess another big thing I've done is remind people, look, let's stay focused on what we do best. Let's stay focused on the positive. Let's keep moving forward. Let's not get distracted by um, all the ickiness of it. Let's just let's just stay focused and keep going. I think you've done a great job when it comes to how you've set up the dealership to be safe and healthy and um, reminding people of this this world we're living in now. If you look at all the changes that y'all have already made and and might still be making, which ones do you hope stick around? Like, what do you want to take away from this and think this is a positive thing? I hope this continues. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I hate. I hate the idea of living in a world where where we are comfortable being socially distant like that to me is upsetting because um, as a nurse, as a caretaker, as a Christian, as someone who loves to minister to other people and love other people, hugging and touching someone's arm and being close is important to me. Um, So I'm hoping that we get to a place where that you know, eventually <laughs> uh, melts away. But um, I guess just good sanitation, like good hand washing, which has been around, you know, since Florence Nightingale, you know, that's the main way we prevent disease is washing our hands before we go to the bathroom, after we go to the bathroom, before we eat, after we eat, anytime we're touching our face. Um, so I just think good hand washing. And then I think the, the most important thing is, I think it's great. Work ethic is important. I value it. But if you're sick, stay home. Like if you're sick, don't go to work and get other people. um, Don't expose other people, whether it's the flu or coronavirus or whatever it is. If you if you don't feel well, stay home and take care of yourself. Like that's that's the most important thing. So I hope that sticks around. I hope it does, too. The hand washing thing. and, And I'm glad you brought that up because. I thought that we all did that already. I was shocked to discover we don't all wash our hands maybe the right amount. No, we don't. And 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 I think what a lot of people um, were so dependent on this um, hand sanitizer, my Purell, like this. And what they're saying is, no, actually the best thing is the warm soapy water, 20 to 30 seconds, good, you know, manual scrubbing. I mean, that's what's most important. So I hope people keep doing that. I had boys, though, and I can tell you, boys don't wash their hands as much as you would think they do. Yeah, I have one, and I I can tell you that we could use some more um, hand washing in that area. I totally get that. Um, Did y'all have a lot of working from home, going to online sales, and how did you keep your team connected during that transition? 
So um, we did have about 29 people who furloughed. Um, a lot of them requested it. Like they were like, look, I have a health issue or underlying condition. Can I please go home? If I can't work from home, can I? Can you just send me home? And these are valuable employees we did not want to lose. And so we said, absolutely, go home. Don't worry. And so I think in week two, we had quite a few who had left. Um, and so um, the ones who could work from home and telework, we set all those up. Uh, Spencer with Comtech helped us out and we got everyone set up. And so we, we had quite a few people working from home. Um, we also limited, so we didn't want more than 10 people um, in, in any space. Um, and so we, we really cut back everyone. Um, and, and yes, so we did telework. Um, we still have people doing telework um, and we have, we limited a lot of people's hours so that they were coming and going at different times. They weren't in the same areas. Um, we were very diligent in that. Um, and then in terms of online sales, we, we always have the capacity to do online sales, um, but Acadiana, I mean, we're a community of family and, and friends and we like to get together. And so, um, we never really embraced it, but through this, we have. Um, I know in the second or third week, we were in the kind of the throes of this. Um, we did seven online deals from beginning to end, and everybody was like cheering because, you know, typically people come in, and, and the way our laws are set up, um, and, and people need to sign contracts and stuff in the state, I think. Um, Everybody was leery, but it's worked out beautifully. And now all of our vendors are coming up with the technology to support the online sales. And so we're able to do it just like any other company. Yes. Well, and, and I love that you've been able to embrace the technology because I think it's important when we can use technology for good. Um, how do you do a contactless delivery? Okay, so now you're getting into the weeds with me, and I have not officially done a contactless delivery, um, but uh, you know what? You'd have to talk to one of my guys specifically about that, but I do know that um, the guys, when they go, they wear their masks, they wear their gloves, they've gone to the homes, um, they have the person, uh, they give them the pen, they let them sign, and then they keep the pen, those types of things, And um, but... But that's that's as deep as I can get with that, Jackie. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to test no. you. I was trying to no, stick to the okay. questions. That's um, okay. That's okay. But I'm fascinated at how people have had to adapt and adjust. You know, and so I, at any time that I can like, okay, well, how do you do this? Because to me, it's interesting to see how other businesses have tackled challenges that we are all having. Um, and then we just kind of go from there. Ryan made a comment when we were talking about hand washing. He said, y'all have never been in a men's room. Clearly, we need a YouTube video on a loop in the bathroom. And then Molly Dupre Daigle, who's the mother of a bunch of men, said, I can second that. <laughs> so <laughs> your comments are resonating with the need for proper hand washing techniques. Yes, yes. Um, and then Fidel, who I think probably works with you, um, wants everybody to come see him for new Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Chrysler, Fiat, and Mazda used cars. Okay. Well, hey, we have people watching. <laughs> That's the most fun. I love that. Um how are you feeling about the future? I know that you're a very faith-filled person, and I would imagine that's done a lot to carry you through. But when you look at what the next month, year, decade's going to hold, are you hopeful? Absolutely. I'm absolutely hopeful. I mean, my hope is in the Lord, so I don't 
I'm not easily discouraged. Um, I, I think for me, through all of this, I've had quite a few people confide in me anxiety and fear and and just um, discouragement. And um, whenever we have doubt um, or things that can bring us doubt, we get unsteady. And um, it's it's been amazing to me that through all of this, um, God's grace has kept me totally confident and hopeful. And um, I know that's all uh, his grace, but I do. I am hopeful. I think that things are, will rebound. Um, I do think things are going to be tough. I think over the next year, we are going to see um, we are going to see the, the financial repercussions of all of this. Um, and unfortunately, it's going to hurt our community. It's going to hurt Acadiana. It's going to hurt small business. Um, and so I, I, I know that we're going to have to prepare for that and endure that. But I know that there is there's always great joy and great blessing after great despair or struggle or suffering. And um, I've experienced that in my life through the death of my mom and dad and my sister um, and through numerous trials um, that this podcast can't even cover. Um, and so, but always God brings, um, he brings joy and he brings it through people. And um, I've seen so many people um, just really stepping up and, and being good neighbors and, um, wishing and hoping and praying for others and helping one another. And um, I mean, you see it in our community with the way some of our nonprofits have mobilized to feed people and um, to really provide for basic human needs and to keep people's dignity intact by supporting them in the most loving ways. So I, I know that we're going to be fine. I know that we'll overcome. Um, and Acadiana has, has endured so many struggles. Um, uh, as a community. And that's one thing you see. We we support one another, we get together, and we're stronger for it. And I think that's why we're the best place to live. I think that's why people think we're um, the happiest city and the most beautiful place and the, the you know, all, all the accolades we get around. I think it's because the people, we believe in one another and we believe we have a strong faith. And even though some of our faiths are different, we, we love and respect one another. And um, so I, I, I do have great hope. I think we're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I would agree. And I see it with our clients. I think the more optimistic people are, um, the more that their faith is helping them pull through this. And the harder we work and the more focused we are, you know, we can get through this together. And I think I think you touched on that. That's what our area is about. So talk to me a little bit about what it's like uh, working now for and running the dealership that you grew up in and watching your dad run is it added pressure being in a family business and having heard about it growing up and now doing it i think in the beginning it was added pressure because I, i'm very competitive i don't necessarily i don't think i knew that about myself until recently but apparently i'm competitive and um when i got here i felt like i had to prove myself um so even though i was an owner and even though I was the quote unquote boss, um, I really felt strongly that I needed to prove to everyone that I was going to work just as hard as they were. And so I rolled up my sleeves and I got in the trenches and I worked um, in a lot of different areas um, that I didn't really need to, um, mainly because I wanted to learn the aspects of the business. Um, and secondly, I wanted I wanted my team to know that I was in it with them, that that 
if they were going to struggle, I was going to struggle with them. And if they needed help, I was going to help them. And so um, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself those first couple of years. Um, and, and maybe even until just recently, um, I've taken more of the, the communications and upper level role um, in the way um, since actually since the pandemic, that's been the one big shift for me is I went into um, communications mode and, and directive mode. And I got out of the weeds because sometimes I like to play in the weeds. So um, I, I think that that's been good for me. Um, but so I guess to answer your question, I adored my dad and I, I had the highest respect for him and I saw how hard he worked. Um, but I also saw how much he struggled and he would say, gosh, this business, it's so hard. This business is so hard. And I would, my response was, how hard can it be? How hard can it, I mean, you know, it can't be that hard. And it's a tough business. It's a tough business because there's so many different businesses within it. Um, there's so many groups of people um, with, with different goals, with different skill sets, with different communication styles. Um, it's, it's, so it, it requires um, being nimble. It requires you being uh, thoughtful. Um, and, and so it's been, it's been challenging, um, but I, I don't feel like I have to live up to anything anymore. I feel like my team knows that I care so much about them individually and that my brothers and I and, and Chip, my husband, that we're so vested in them and and doing the right thing for them all the time. So um, I don't want to get emotional, which I do occasionally. But um, I, I think that I don't I don't feel like I have to live up to anything anymore. I feel like they know who we are and they trust us. And I think you can see that by by the guys and, and gals who have uh, kind of stuck around and really worked so hard during this pandemic. Just I mean, we, we were an essential business. We never closed. And the people that were here every day just grinding it out and never complaining and just working so hard with a skeleton crew to try to give our customers the best experience they could have. I couldn't be prouder. It, it is going to make me emotional. I should have brought Kleenex. But I think that emotion is tied to how much you care. And I think that's really what comes through. Um, so I think about the time that you were at the dealership working with your dad and now have been at the dealership working with your husband. I've worked with my husband for 20 years. Which one's harder? Oh, by far my dad. Okay. Oh, by far. Because everyone here thinks I have really high expectations and I do. I set the bar really high. Um, but my dad set it so high for me. <laughs> um, and so it, it was definitely much harder. My husband gives me so much grace. And my husband is so good to me. Um, I, I could talk about him for a whole nother hour, but um, he gives me a lot of grace. And at, at the office, um, he lets me, he lets me exert and be assertive, knowing that the minute we get home, I'm his wife. And, and I take that role very seriously. And so um, I'm not a perfect wife by any means, but I totally honor and respect him as best I can at home. But here he knows that we can, we can butt heads and we can have different opinions and I push, I mean, I really push hard some days and um, 
he gives me a lot of grace. So definitely it was, it's much easier with Chip. <laughs> that must be something they teach those boys over at Como High School. Since Michael and Chip were classmates, um, um, maybe that's why we both have found that whole working with our husbands thing to, to be a balance, as it were. He's um, a Broussard boy, and he is, he is so kind. I'm not sure that I'm as uh, dutiful at home as you might be. So there may be some lunches we need to have in the future where you can give me some pointers on making that transition better. Um, I fully expect a producer comment to appear any minute now uh, because he would say that you have made that transition far better than I have. Hey, it's not easy to work with your spouse. It's not easy. Um, but now I am to discuss my husband's virtues, <laughs> which one of which is I'm pleased that he spelled all of those words correctly. <laughs> So we'll start there. Oh, my goodness, Jackie. Um, Leslie uh, Tucker Little is watching, and she, too, works, uh, has worked for decades in a family business. And so she also knows the challenges of that. I'm sure she'll have some thoughts after the show to tell me. Um, now, Tim says that you lead by example. And so uh, I think that Tim has provided, obviously, he's seen you in action and realizes that he knows that that's how you're doing it. And that's a good thing. Thank what you, would you Tim. describe as the culture like at your company? Um, how do you think your employees, you know, what values are you really focused on? So I would say our culture is um, definitely very family oriented. Um, and, and I say that and it's easy to say, but what do I, what do I mean by that? Um, we are family. Like when one of us suffers, the rest of us suffer and we, we care. Um, through all of this, um, I have made a point um, and, and so has Chip and, and, and our other managers to really be present to all of our managers, but also to all of our employees. So when I get to work, um, part of my routine is to walk around and say hello to everyone, check in on everyone. Um, and, and I do it, to, you know, to check on the pulse of the business and, and, and see how everyone's doing. But I do it because each one of these people are my family. And so um, I want to make sure that they're well, that they're they're mentally, physically, and emotionally present. And that's how you identify needs. And um, I'm a servant leader. It's my style here. Um, and while I set the bar high and I push hard, um, I lead by example, hopefully, by showing them that if you don't take care of everyone, if you don't, if you don't put yourself out there and try to take care of the people who are helping your business, then then what are you doing? Like, what's the point? So um, I think the culture is very family focused um, in terms of um, that. Now, our culture is changing because our business is changing every day. Um, the way we sell cars now, customers know everything about the cars before they get here. They've been shopping for three to six months online. Uh, they know more about the vehicle sometime, especially the specific one they want than maybe a new salesperson does or has had time to train on. And so our job now is helping them find the best vehicle for their budget because, you know, sometimes people come in and they want the top of the line, but really their budget is not, it, it's not a good decision to put them in a top of the line. And the last thing we want to do is put them in something they can't afford. So, um, you know, we help people get into the right vehicles. Um, and so for me, it's about integrity. It's about doing the right thing. Um, it's about trying to take care of the customer and really think about that customer experience and, and make that customer experience the best it can be. Um, you know, we're an older facility. Um, this building was old when my dad was here. 
and because the I-49 and, and, and kind of, we, we were kind of waiting for different things, we, we, we were pausing and not so aggressive in rebuilding. Um, but so for me, what that, that says to me, it's like going to your grandma's house. It's like, it's okay that the house is old as long as it's filled with love and it's warm and, and, and you're taken care of while you're there, you kind of, you're okay with it. And so, um, it's not an excuse. It's really how I believe, um, you know, we'd like to make updates sooner than later. Um, and now with Corona and the oil prices and everything else, we'll see, we'll see what that looks like in the future. But, um, for me, I feel like if we make this place warm and loving and we do the right thing, then, then our customers are gonna gonna want to come. So, how much um, of your job sometimes is transitioning from educating people about cars and 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 showing them features to financial advice and explaining? Well, this is really what you can afford based on your budget. And because how financially savvy are people when they walk in with the the, the top of the line in their eyes? That's got to be a hard transition to say. I know you want that fully loaded Dodge Ram truck, but this is actually the model that would be better suited for you. Mm -hmm. So our finance managers and our sales managers help direct our salespeople in terms of those numbers and the reality of what people's budgets can afford. And, um, you know, if someone's trying to rebuild their credit because maybe they have bad credit, um, the last thing you want to do is let them come in and buy a car they can't afford. So really understanding people's needs and, and helping them rebuild their credit by putting them in maybe something that is not so cute, not fully loaded, not the best and the brightest, but you can afford to pay your note every month. And in six months or a year or two years, you have, you know, equity in the vehicle or, you know, you have a good, your credit score has gone up and now you can afford something that, that is nicer. And so our, that, our sales managers are great at that. And um, uh, they do, they do an amazing job. They really do. That's awesome. How do you encourage professional development for yourself, for your team? I mean, are there classes y'all go to, books you read? So we we have, a, through our manufacturers, we, we always have continuing education um, in terms of the product, in terms of service. Um, we, we do um, annual evaluations here. We give um, opportunities um, to our managers. Just recently, one of my managers um, expressed a need. And I said this year. And so January uh, through, I told him to find something this year to take. And now I don't know where he is with that, with, with all of this, but um, we, ha we have, when they verbalize a specific need, we, we get it for them. So um, most of our managers are trained monthly through the manufacturers. And then we, we always have um, additional opportunities that we'll, we support if they're, if they're interested. So. I think that's important, you know, with the brand that y'all have built as a family based business. And I think people come to you because of that um, generations of relationship, um, being able to do both sides, keep that personal relationship going and the professional development. I, I think that's a really important part of your overall brand. So I'm glad that y'all have such a path mm -hmm. of saying you want to learn it, make it happen. Mm -hmm. We actually brought in a trainer um, this past year to talk to us about uh, millennials and not just um, selling to millennials, and and uh, but it was communicating with millennials who are customers and employees, um, because a lot of our managers are getting older, 
and their communication style and their drivers are so much different. And so that's something that I had forgotten about on the first uh, time you asked that we just did not too long ago. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's going to allow you to not just survive, but thrive in this time, because when you can treat people the way they want to be treated, that's how you continue to build that family brand. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And of course. What advice would you give to the younger you? Oh, stay away from sugar. It's not your friend. Um, um, yeah, so I, I really... Um, you know, as you get older, I'll be 48 this year and um, just being more focused on my health. Um, I think the advice I would give to the younger me would be take care of yourself. Like, I know you want to take care of everyone else, uh, but but put yourself in that lineup. Um, so take care of yourself physically. I take care of myself spiritually. I take care of myself. Like, I know that I'm not just a body, right? I take care of my spirit, but my poor little body, I feel like um, I, I got a Peloton about a year ago. And um, I have really made it a priority to take care of myself and to exercise every day for over a year now, which was not always the case. And so um, I'm proud of myself for that. But more than anything, I wish I would have started, you know, 10 years ago. Um, I was always in and out of exercise. I'd exercise for two or three months and then I'd stop for three or four months and exercise. So um, it would be take care of myself. I think that's a good one. And I'm always, you know, when somebody says, oh, I wish I'd started sooner. I always think, oh, I'm glad I didn't wait 10 more years to start. Uh At least I started when I did. You're right. So who's your best friend? Really my best friend in the whole world is Chip. And what Uh would he say he likes the least about you? Ooh, that was on the list. Yeah, but I didn't look at that one. Um, Okay, what does he like the least? He does not like it when I chew ice. And that's good. There's only one. I'm sure that's the only thing. I think that's it. That's got to be it. I mean, every other way, I'm certain that you are perfect. (laughs) How would you like to be remembered? Oh gosh, if people remember me, um, that I tried to bring everyone to Jesus that I could, um, that I tried to always say kind words, um, that I prayed for them at the most difficult times in their life and they felt God's peace or grace, um, that I lived what I, that I, that I was authentic in my living, um, and that, that I, I modeled Christ's behavior as a servant. If they said any of those things, I'd be like rock star status in my mind. I would imagine that you would have all of that on your list and more. So, you know, for as humble as I know you are, I'm impressed that you were able to, to provide, provide that list because, uh, I think, uh, I think that's a good list. Uh, Chip has written in and confirmed it is you chewing ice. Exclamation okay. Point, exclamation point. So we'd win the newlywed game. Yeah. There you go. That may be the next show, by the way. I'm all about doing a newlywed soul, a newlywed game. Uh, Tim has said kindest soul. He's added that to the list. Oh, he's he, he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 So what event has most shaped who you are now? 
Oh, I would say, I wouldn't say it's an event. I would say suffering has shaped who I am now. Um, I think that through God's grace, I have been able to suffer greatly um, over the years in many different facets through loss, uh, through physical suffering, um, through um, just 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 hard times in my life. And I think that suffering kind of hollows us out. And um, I don't know if it was uh, Mother Teresa, I don't know who said it, but it's like the more suffering hollows you out, it makes your vessel open bigger. It makes you more able to receive God's grace. And so for me, suffering has made me who I am because his grace is how I live now. I, I don't, um, he, he makes everything new and he makes me new and he, he keeps me, he makes me strong. And if it wasn't for his grace, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I wouldn't have taken the helm. I wouldn't have stepped up and tried to learn this business. I, I, I would have, you know, I'd have packed up everything and sold it all and moved to the beach. Um, but that's not, that's not where he's brought me. He's brought me here. And, um, so I, I would say suffering, I think, uh, suffering. And then of course his grace. Yeah. I love that perspective and, and I've never heard it put that way as a parent. I think a lot about the fact that I want my kids to have hardship. And I think that sounds really mm. bad when you say it, but, no. but in the way, and so the way you've just really, um, crystallized that for me as to what I actually mean when I say that. That's, I know this is supposed to be about you teaching people, but it's mostly about me learning from you. So that is, that's a huge takeaway for me. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think that perspective shift as a parent helps you parent better because not you necessarily, but all of us, because if we try to protect our kids from suffering all the time, we are doing them a huge disservice. Um, you know, growing up, my mom, and I don't want to get too off, off the topic, but my mom always said, um, you know, God first, Adrian, her husband, my dad, second, like he's he's first really for her in, in terms of family. And then kids later, kids are kids are last. And um, I grew up at a time where kids sat at a separate table and you didn't you didn't interrupt the adults like your feelings did not matter if you didn't like the peas, you didn't get up from the table until you ate the peas and your tantrum was not going to be the focus of the family dinner. Like we had, you know, dinner together every Sunday for lunch and then another dinner every Sunday evening. And it was, and then we ate together as a family, just an immediate family every night. And um, so for me, that focus of your kids need to suffer, they need consequences, but it's the natural consequences. We all need that. And uh, I think it makes us better parents, but I think it makes our kids better kids. I agree. Molly Dupre-Dagle says yes. Yes, I love Molly Dupre-Dagle. I do too. She's so awesome. Um, you know, but to that point, I think so many parents try to protect their kids and, and save them and, and make it easy for them. You know, they talk about the helicopter parents and the lawnmower parents. And, and I think it's having those hardships and having that suffering that's where we're really doing our job as parents. Do you remember an 
it was an Oprah scandal years ago about a woman who said that her chill, and I'm not going to quote it very well, but that her children were replaceable, but her spouse was not. And all of the women of America rose up against her, basically. Do you remember this at all? No, I didn't. I, I was not an Oprah follower. Um, I'm going to find the article and send it to you. It's enlightening. But it's so true, right? Because you raise your kids to grow up and go out into the world. You don't raise them for yourself. And they're not my kid. And my, I have two sons, 20 and 22. They're not mine. They're God's. And, and they're going to go do whatever it is they're going to do, regardless of what I say or want or do. Um, I've raised them the right way, but my husband's mine for life. My mom used to say, don't put the kids in the bed with you. And I know I have friends who who had kids who slept in the bed, but she was like, look, that's your bed. That's for you and your husband, your kids. If they're sick, go get in their bed or go to their room. But, but keep that bed just for you and your husband, because one day those kids are going to leave. And if you ever put your kids before your husband, he might leave too. <laughs> and I didn't want that. So I, um, yeah, that's awesome. I think your, um, your words are resonating a lot. All of a sudden the comments are flying. Um, now Greg wants to know who your favorite kids are, but I'm not going to put you on the spot with saying who your favorite is. (laughs) So sometimes I feel like Greg is one of my, my sons as well. Um, but, um, I don't have a favorite. Both of my kids, one is so much more like his dad. The other one's so much more like me. And so I fight more with the one who's like me, like he and I are constantly arguing because we're so much alike. And the one who's like his dad, we get along like just like Chip and I do. I mean, we are like so complimentary. And and so but I love them both so much. And uh, I would never have a favorite because that's just I mean, not realistic. Like, I don't even I don't even think that's possible. Chip, Chip, it's to be your favorite. Chip is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to this year's graduates? Oh, wow. Well, along the lines of suffering, what a blessing. Like, what a blessing that um, you have succeeded and you have gotten to this point and the family and the people who are closest to you get to celebrate with you in such a special and private way. Um but this is life and it's bigger than us and it's bigger than what we plan for. Um, I never planned to be sitting in this chair running car dealerships. Like that was not something that was in my plan or even in my like dreams. Um, but God brings us to different situations so that we can grow and don't waste this opportunity to, um, to really take in what this means for you and all the blessings that have come of it, even without the pomp and circumstance of the graduation, even without all of the, the, um, the social media telling you how great you are and the, uh, all the pictures um, that are flawless and all of the, all of the airbrush stuff and the hashtags, um, this is reality. And it's hard, but you're going to be better because you're going to get through it and you're going to go to college or you're going to go to secondary school or you're going to start your job or you're going to go to beauty school or what, what, whatever you're doing. Um, seek your passion. And this will only be one um, teeny little window 
in, in a whole lifetime of experiences. Um, I remember I was struggling with my, um, with my, my second child. He was very strong-willed and my mother-in-law who is one of the wisest people I know um, said, Krista, this is just one little brief moment in an entire lifetime. She was like, don't let this bother, like let go, let this go. It's going to be fine. This too shall pass. You are going to get through this. And when you look back and you realize that you overcame this, you're going to feel so much stronger and you're going to know that you can do anything. So just just take this in as a, as a great opportunity to learn about what you value, what's important. Look at the people around you who really love you, who are trying to make up for the loss that you're suffering and just appreciate them and take them in and just um, don't let this, don't let this hold you down too long. It's okay to grieve. I I believe that grief is important. Um, And so it's okay to grieve, but only grieve for a short while because you have your whole lives ahead of you to do amazing, great things and, and experience um, joy. And, and it's right around the corner. Yeah. Wise words. What's your pettiest pet peeve? Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you. Tell me. I have an office down a hall. And when people talk on their speakerphone, and I'm down the hall and I can hear the whole conversation, I get up and I walk down there and I close their door. And I'm thinking to myself, I do this every day. Well, do you just like seeing me like, hello, close the door. So that's, that is my pettiest pet peeve. When people talk on speakerphone in an office where other people can hear. I think that's a fair one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we are about to move into the lightning round, but before we do, we have one last insight question, which is what question do you wish I had asked and what would the answer have been? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't Are know. you still painting? That would be a good one. Okay, I'm not still painting. I stopped painting about four or five years ago. And I probably will get back to painting one day when I'm retired. But it was a season. And um, thanks to Pat Venable, I learned amazing technique and skills and had a great time. Um, but it's just not it's not part of my daily routine anymore. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the lightning round. Lightning round. Okay, I'm ready. Think fast. All right. Favorite place on earth. Okay. Can I have more than one? You can have as many as you want. Okay. Favorite place on earth. If you ask all my friends, they'll tell you it's at home with Chip <laughs> on the sofa. So that's my favorite place on earth. And that's where I spend most of my time um, when I'm not working or out, out. Um, Second favorite place is any beach. And then my third favorite place is with really people in my church or from my church or from any church, anybody who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and they want to talk about him. That's my favorite place because I love to talk about Jesus. So um, any of those three. And if I could have Chip and people who love Jesus on the beach, then that would be my favorite place. That's Nirvana. Nirvana. Movie you can't turn off. I'm not a big movie buff. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I don't have one. That's all right. TV show? 
We just finished the series of Homeland. It was, it was amazing. I mean, it's truly binge worthy, Homeland. Um, but um, other TV series, I like the, um, I love all the NCIS series and um, yeah, that's about it. Those are good answers. Book, favorite book? Anything by Dr. Brant, Brant Petrie is my favorite book. Um, I really love to read about the saints. Um, the religious saints, not the football team. Correct. Just to clarify. Just to clarify. So um, any book on the life of saints or um, their diaries, like Catherine of Siena's diary or St. Therese of Lisieux's diary. Um, so I love diaries um, because they were just so humble. And um, through their diaries, I get to read about how they prayed because their diary was very often them just talking to God. And so these beautifully written prayers um, in just such humility. So for me, I love that because it helps me ground myself um, and it helps me to pray better. Um, so any kind of books like that. And um and that's changed through the years. When I was in my 20s, it was, um, you know, Maxwell and all the marketing books and all the leadership and success books. And then in my 30s, started my religious books. And now it's, it's yeah, religious books. Favorite saint? Ooh, I have a bunch of favorite saints, but I would say St. Faustina. St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross. Of course, um, St. Rita, who is, yeah, she's after my heart. And St. Madeline Sophie and, and you know, St. Philip Chan. I figured they would make the list at some point. Yes, they're in there. Uh, so Pat Venable's watching. He said, great presentation. Thanks for remembering our artistic journey. Love you, Chris. So proud of you. Oh, she's so great. Yeah, thanks. We're glad she's watching. Um, and Jessica says, highly recommend St. Teresa of Avila, Interior Castle. She's a feisty yes. and awesome saint. She is feisty. She's the saint that tells us all that we're all called to holiness. So I love her because she helps people um, understand that being holy and praying all the time and having a relationship with Jesus is not just for priests and religious. It's for you and me and all of us. So she's super great. Do you listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite one? Yes. Um, okay. So I listen to podcasts when I walk. So Bishop Barron, I love Word on Fire. Um, Matt Frad has one called uh, uh, Pints with Aquinas. And so if you are like into metaphysics and um, philosophy and theology, he it, it's super great because he takes St. Thomas Aquinas and his Summa and he really brings on great authors and scholars to like get into like deep thought. So sometimes I have to listen to him twice. Um, and then I listen to, um, let's see. Oh, I listen to abiding together podcast, which is great. I listen to, um, uh, Oh, father Mike Schmitz and father John Ricardo. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. I know this is going to maybe be like trying to choose between which kids you like the best, but what's your favorite car? Okay. So either a Mazda or a Jeep, okay. Jeep Grand Cherokee is my favorite. Um, Mazda CX-9 is my favorite. Um, so 
either one of those and you're riding safe in style. And I like to ride kind of high up. I don't like to be really low in my cars or my vehicles. So I feel safe in them. They have, they have the highest safety ratings. They get great gas mileage. And I know right now that's not a big deal, but for me, I mean, I've always been one to, be cautious with that. Um, I drove a Dodge Caravan for about 15 years when I had like little ones. And I have to tell you that that is the most amazing vehicle for, for moms because the doors open automatically. You know, when you, when you have babies and you're carrying things, you, you just walk up and set things in. You don't have to lean um, and your kids can jump in the back. And it was just, I loved my caravan, but um, I didn't have a use for it anymore. So now I'm I'm out of the mom mobile and I'm <laughs> I'm driving right now I'm driving a CX30 a Mazda CX30 which is is it's very sporty and I like it very much but I prefer the CX9 because I like the room right I rocked the mom van for almost two decades and Michelle Zell and I joked about how everybody has this whole soccer mom thing about it they are the most loaded most comfortable easiest to drive they just have this reputation that they're way cooler than they appear. They're way cooler than they appear. Do you have a favorite festival? Um, no, not really. I'm not. Um, I love the idea of festival, <laughs> but I don't have people who really want to go with me. And so I love music. Like I'd be the one dancing by myself when nobody else is dancing with me. And so, um, but my boys and Chip have never been real big festival goers. Um, so the times I do go and I do go every year, um, but I don't stay like out all week. I just go, I'll either go with like my sister-in-law Arlene likes to go. And so I've met them out there a couple of times. Um, and then, you know, just meet friends out, but I don't, I don't have a favorite. I like them all. That's good. If you were going to do karaoke, what song would you perform? Okay. You know, I can't sing, right? Well, me either. But okay. I have a karaoke song, if I could sing. So probably Salt and Light by Lauren Daigle. Oh, see, perfect choice. Mm -hmm. Perfect choice. I want her to do the show. How awesome would that interview be? Uh, <laughs> it would be awesome. If right. you need a studio hand, I'll be happy to help you. You know, I met her once, and she is so beautiful like just the most beautiful soul yeah. and kind and humble and when she sings I cry I, I cry all the time so she's amazing I listen to her all, all the time we had tickets um for her concert in July which is now you know going to be rescheduled and my girls are super sad I didn't know it was rescheduled I have the tickets on my fridge I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be rescheduled Okay, I didn't know that. Well, that's good because I had a wedding rescheduled for that night. And so I was going to have to miss her to go to the wedding because I'm not going to miss the wedding. And um, because I love weddings and um, I was going to give her tickets to, to, you know, my people. Don't let go of them. Hold on to those. Oh, very good. I will. Yes. Thank I feel you. like we just had a whole pandemic so that you could go to both events. Yes. Talk about cake and eat it too. Favorite <laughs> food? Favorite food? Probably pizza. My favorite pizza is the Avery Island pizza on the cauliflower crust from La Pizza Mia. That's a good choice. Favorite leisure pizza. activity is the couch with chip, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, favorite way that you treat yourself? Facials. I get like one or two a year. 
and it's kind of like a little guilty pleasure. My other guilty pleasure, though, I'll tell you. Tell me. It's kind of petty. But I like beating my neighbor on the Peloton. He can't seem to hit the scores I hit. And I have a little ego thing about it. And now that I know it bothers him, it's like a it's like a thing. And so, um, Jonathan, I'm coming after you. I love the fact that you'd already admitted earlier that you were super competitive. So now this is of no surprise to anyone. Yes, I am. I am. Um, all right. So our last fave, which is not usually on the list, but I'm going to have to add it now. Favorite Bible, Bible verse. Ooh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength from Deuteronomy 6.5. I cannot think of a better way for us to close. Krista, thank you. This was thank a beautiful so hour. I appreciate your time taking away from your job to give us this insight into who you are and what you're about. And I appreciate you talking with us today. Thanks so much, Jackie. I appreciate all your you're doing for our community. Thank you. Thanks. And to everyone else, thanks for watching and commenting and being a part of this. Make sure you come back on Friday. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy hearing what Charlotte Cryer has to talk to us about uh, with moving Carolina Company into a new space and opening in the middle of a pandemic and what that's been like. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time.